Yes, welcome along to the first virtual extra time of this new season, which started off really well for Leicester City, getting that 1-0 win at home to Wolves at King Power Stadium on Saturday. It was a traditional three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. We've all missed those, haven't we? And it was full of both Leicester and Wolves fans, which was uh, fantastic to see. We'll get on to that a little bit later. We'll maybe talk about some of the other Premier League games that uh, took place over the weekend. These two will go head-to-head in a, a mini football-type quiz, football Jenga, we're going to call it, which they're both thoroughly excited about, as you can uh, <laughs> see. Uh, but without further ado, let's get them both introduced. So, Tony Cotty, Matt Elliott, welcome along, yes, to this first uh, virtual extra time. How are you, Dan? How are you, Matt? Yeah, good to see you. Thank you. Always good to see you. And not quite so good to see you, Batesy, but up the mate too, will we? <laughs> uh, well, we'll start with you, unfortunately, Matt, because obviously you were there on, on Saturday. We watched the game together, didn't we? And it was a good good result for Leicester. You'd have taken that, wouldn't you, at the, at the beginning of the day, a 1-0 win and, and three points? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think um, opening day fixture, it, it, you know, it was, was going to be a great occasion, especially on the back of, what everyone's experienced uh, the last 18 months or so. The crowds were back from both sets of, of supporters in full voice. Uh, the atmosphere was spot on. And, there, you know, there was an air, as always is, on your date of, of anticipation. But with Leicester, you sort of knew what to expect. And I think that served them well. They sort of found a rhythm already in pre-season, took that into Saturday's game. And whilst it was mighty close, particularly at the death of the game, the last 15 minutes or so. Um, and it was always going to be a tight affair. It, it, historically, games between Leicester and Wolves over recent times certainly have been exactly that. But for my money, um, the better team of the two, just on the day, got the right result. Tony, I know you, you obviously you didn't, we weren't able to see the game live, but you've seen the highlights. And, and again, you were impressed by Leicester. And, and as Matt said there, it's nice to, to get up and running with a victory. Yeah, I suppose um, on a positive note, Dan, we're all pleased that the three o'clock Saturday kickoffs are back. And uh, on a negative note, it just makes it a little bit harder to watch the games. I, as, it, as you said, I did see the game live, but uh, I sort of watched um, keenly for match of the day and I couldn't believe they put Leicester right at the end of the programme. So I, I got a full five minutes of highlights to look at. Um, but no, I think to, you know, in general terms about the first game of the season, you know, you work really hard in pre-season, you put the effort in, you, you go through all that hard work. You know, Leicester have done well in pre-season, and obviously the, you know, the bonus of beating Manchester City at Wembley, so you go into the game full of confidence. But we've seen many, many times in the past, you're going to have the best pre-season, and then you're all over the place in the first game for various reasons. And I'm really pleased that Leicester, you know, they continued the form. They took that into that first game and it was a really good first half performance as well. Uh, I'm sure there's a fantastic goal that we're going to talk about a little bit later on as well. Um, but, you know, in general, I think you, you need those three points. It makes it, it as an ex-player, Matt will agree with this, you, you can't say how much it means to get those three points on the ball because, you know, if you have a start where you lose a few and draw a few and everyone's saying, well, when, when are you going to win a game and all that? It puts so much pressure on the players. But, you know, they've just gone out there, you know, no blues from the end of last season. We all know what happened. So they've gone out, they've put in the performance. And yeah, I agree with Matt. It, you know, it wasn't perhaps the best of games. It was always going to be a difficult game. Wolves are a tough side. They've got some good players. So if you add all that into the mix, I've got to say it was a really, really good three points for the club and a great start to the season. You mentioned there, Tony, about the Community Shield last week and um, what a boost that obviously have, has given Leicester at the beginning of the season. Now getting that first three points has helped as well. Matt made an interesting point at the weekend. He said that Leicester were probably a week ahead of Wolves, at least, because they've had that competitive game already. That, that must have really served them well against Wolves. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, <clears throat> I think if you get those competitive games in, in, involved in the pre-season, because... You know, you play the friendlies and sometimes you're playing, perhaps playing a team, you know, two, one, two divisions below you or whatever, or you go abroad and play a team that's not quite the same and you get a false impression of pre-season. But I think when you go into those competitive games and, you know, let's be honest, the Community Shield is still a big fixture. The old-fashioned Charity Shield, wasn't it, in our days? And, well, certainly when I played out about Matt, he might be in the Community Shield, he's a little bit younger than me. Um, but, you know, it's always been a, a fixture that, that sort of kicks off the start of the season. And if you if you get that competitive game, you know, I, I think you look at perhaps Chelsea as an example, you know, like they, they've had competitive games and there's other clubs as well that have been playing. And it just gives you a real edge in, in going into that first match because it's... Uh, you know, it's, it's always a tough game. No matter who you play, you never quite know where you are. But I think if you've had the, 
the bonus of being able to play at Wembley against what is a very top Manchester City team. I know they didn't have all their players playing, but it's still, whoever they put out, you know they're going to cost millions of pounds. And to have the advantage of that first game, I think that really helped uh, the game on Saturday. When you often look at those first games of the season, Matt, sometimes both teams can take a little bit of time to to get going, can't they? It was, it was actually the opposite on Saturday. The game itself was really open and, and, a, and a good, entertaining game to watch, particularly. <coughs> yeah, I think so. I, I'd agree with that. Certainly the majority of the game. I thought early on, Wolves were maybe finding their feet a touch. So they played with that back three, stroke back five, the majority of the time as it was. And they do sit and soak up pressure a little bit. And, you know, that gave Leicester the opportunity to get in to a bit of a rhythm in the first half. But, um, yeah, it, you, you, in my view, you could tell the difference on the point we've just spoken about there, about Leicester, you know, having that basically competitive, genuine competitive game against Man City. But they applied themselves how they will in, in a Premier League game, as opposed to a friendly where there's not so much of an edge and you perhaps play in a different way, you know, as an individual and as a team. But it was, um, you know, a real solid performance at Wembley. And that followed through um, to the King Power on Saturday. I thought it just had, you know, that, that was part of the reason for me, as well as Leicester probably having the edge collectively anyway. Um, and I think we'll see that reflected in, in the league positions come the end of the season without getting ahead of ourselves. But it's um, only mentioned there, you look through the team sheet of Wolves and they were missing a number of players as well. They've got some, you know, high-class performers within the ranks. And, but Leicester, you know, settled in well, didn't they? They, they, they got hold of the game in, in, in that first half and then adjusted accordingly in the second half. And they look like a team that know what they're doing. You know, they're organised and they know their roles, etc. And, you know, you could say the same for Wolves, especially considering that they had the new manager, uh, Bruno Large. In, in charge, um, I thought they they uh, competed pretty well throughout the game. But uh, yeah, for me, you could just see Leicester had the edge, and it it looks good going forward. You know, there were good introductions from the bench. Um, Brendan Rodgers made the change just to stiffen things up a little bit defensively. Um, I wouldn't say rode their luck, but some last ditch blocks, and you know, Casper Schmeichel did his job as usual. But all round. All round, very impressive, and they'll be delighted with how things kicked off. Uh, a quick word on Wolves before we before we concentrate fully on, on Leicester, Matt. Have you seen enough from them in, in that first game with Bruno Large in charge to think that they'll have a, a decent season themselves? Yeah, I think they'll fare better than they did last campaign. Really, it was a bit of a drop off for them, wasn't it? And obvious reasons why you know, players departing and obviously Jimenez injured, but. Uh, I just referred to it there, really. I, I was speaking to some more supporters, actually family members of mine, um, after the game, and they were a bit downhearted. And then, but then they reminded me of the players that they were missing out there. And, you know, Bowley, uh, Johnny, uh, Neto, um, amongst others, really. And you look at that, I think they've got more than enough to be clear of the relegation zone, which I think is the primary worry of some Wolf supporters. Um, Will they repeat what they did on their first campaign um, back in the Premier League? Not so sure, because there's lots of stiff competition. You know, you, the old saying, in the, you, you've got to move forward just to stay where you are. And it's, uh, you know, it is a case of that this, this season, but they won't have any relegation worries, in my view, put it that way. Uh, Tony, from a, a Leicester point of view then, starting the season off well in, in general, you'll have known from, from your playing career. What can it do for, for confidence? Because I think if obviously Leicester had not got a good result, we could talk here about uh, it doesn't matter the first game as much. You know, you can move on, you can go. But, but now they've got the win, we can kind of say that that is a great start to the season. And it must be a little bit of, of kind of a weight off your back as, as players and, and management that you can just get that first win in the first game. Yeah, I've already touched on it, Dan. I mean, it, it, just, it just gives you that boost and... Um... Go, go back to the, the great Martin O'Neill. I remember having a chat with Martin once and he, he, he said to me, he said, oh, you want to be a manager one day, don't you? And he said, what would you do like, if you was a manager? And I've, I've done this fantastic speech, Dan. He went up for about five minutes talking about the academies and playing football and all sorts of things. I, I waffled on for five minutes 
And at the end of it, Martin O'Neill turned around and said to me, he said, he said, trust me, he said, you need one thing. He said, it's called results. And it's the point really about that first game. You know, some, of course you want to play well. Of course you want to win 5-0 in the first game and play the best football that you've ever seen. But ultimately, Martin's right. Football, particularly at professional level and particularly in the Premier League, it's about results. And, you know, again, we're going back to Martin. Sometimes we come in after a game and he say that's the most fantastic point that the club's ever got. You remember him saying it, Matt, can't you? And he, yeah, yeah. He made that point that... To, you know, to grind out a draw sometimes. Sometimes a draw, if you can get a point away from home at one of the big clubs and that, it's, it's a fantastic point and it, it can go a long way come the end of the season. So, you know, that first game, you know, the, the boys should take great confidence out of it. Um, I'm still waiting to talk about the goal, Dan. I can't wait to get on to the goal. But, you know, there was a fantastic goal scored and to get the three points at the end of it, it gives you the confidence and then you just look forward to the next game. Go on then, let's do it, Tony. Let's talk about the goal itself. Uh, fantastic. You'll obviously want to concentrate on Jamie Vardy, I'm sure, but even in the build-up, Ricardo Pereira's play was excellent. It was. I mean, it was fantastic skill, wasn't it? I'm right on the touchline. He's got two players around him. He almost think, well, he's got nowhere to go here. And he does a little flick. He, you know, yeah, of course, he gets a little bit of luck where the ball sort of goes between the two defenders. But he had real strength, you know. And how many times you see players do that and then they fall over trying to get a free kick and all that instead of getting on with it, which is what he did, and playing, you know, playing on, um, you know, and he, he's put the cross in and, um, you know, I think when you're, when you're in that area as, as a fullback, really, you've only really got the, well, you've got a few options, but the main option really is to sort of whiz one across the goal, really, and sometimes you've just got hope that you've got someone who is clever and knows what they're doing in the middle middle of the area. And of course, in Jamie Vardy, I, I, I scored a similar goal against Sunderland in the League Cup semi-final first leg. And Frank Sinclair was the one who put the cross in. And sometimes you just got to assess the situation and you're thinking that, you know, they're under pressure, they're on the byline. You know, as a forward, what can you do? Where, where, where are you, where you going to put yourself to try and score the goal? And the best thing I think about the goal, Dan, is the movement of Jamie. And sometimes the movement is... It's well beforehand because you so often see forwards, they're already standing in the area. And if you're already standing at that near post, it doesn't give you an option. It doesn't give you any choices on what to do. But the best thing to do is exactly what Jamie did and what I'd like to think I would have done in the situation. You pull off for the centre-half. And again, Matt will talk a lot more about it than I ever could as a defender. But once you're looking at the ball as a defender and the centre-forward's gone behind you and you can't see that centre-forward, you're in trouble as a defender. Because you're then trying to concentrate on the ball, but you're also thinking, I don't know where my man's gone. And it's, it's a real art and a skill to do it. You pull away from the defender, and then at the right moment, you make a little two-yard dash, which he did, and the finish was absolutely off the outside of his left foot. Fantastic finish from Jamie Vardy, but it was the movement and the clever play. Yes, it was brilliant skill with the volley, but I just love the movement. And I keep saying it about Jamie. I was asked about him the other day. He's getting better and better, Dan. He really is. And, you know, listen, his pace is very, very slowly, the pace of his game. He's still got pace, but the pace will come out of his game. But the, the movement and some of his runs, and the, there was other examples in the game where he made fantastic runs. He's playing on the shoulder. And, again, defensively, let Matt talk about the defence side. When you've got a player playing on your shoulder and he's running the lines and the channels and he's getting in because he's on the last line of defenders, it's so hard to mark a player like that. You know, Jamie's been unbelievable for, what, nine years at the football club now. And as I say, he's getting better and better. And I, I could talk about it all, all day about it. It was a fantastic goal. It really was. Going back to that movement just quickly, Tony, he almost looks uninterested, doesn't he? And I don't just mean that as Jamie Vardy. That, that's a lot of forwards that are, and I'm sure you're probably the same, is, is it, when you do make that peel run off the defender, you think, oh, I'm not interested, not interested. Suddenly then he goes in, in front of it. Yeah, in, I mean, in the penalty area, Dan, you, you, it's, it's very fine margins. And, and sometimes, you know, you don't have to... You, uh, again, I watch forward sometimes and they, they're moving around and they're running and, and they're trying to make space. But sometimes you don't have to do that. You just just very lazily pull away from the defender. You know, if you watch someone like Lionel Messi, for example, a lot of the game, Lionel Messi's walking. You know, but all he's standing still. And yeah, if you're in space, you don't need to find space because you're already in space. So with Jamie, all he's done is just very sort of casually, he just sort of just walks and ambles back a little bit. Because if the ball's out wide on the touchline, you, you, you're not involved in the play anyway. There's no point in moving around in the box until 
the, the time comes for you to make that little little run. And that little two-yard run was all he needed. It was a two-yard, he's pulled two yards off the shoulder. He makes a two-yard run. The timing, the cross is wonderful, by the way, for Ricardo. I've got to praise him for that, you know, because, again, so many times you see players put the ball behind a goal or they hit it straight at the goalkeeper or whatever. But he's whipped the ball into a dangerous area. And Jamie just done that little two-yard movement. It was it was fantastic movement, and you know, just if you're a young player, my boss, just watch Jamie Vardy's movement on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, for, for any fans that are, are watching, listening to this, Matt, that were at King Power Stadium, they'll know the the noise when that goal went in. It was a mix of obviously euphoria, Leicester getting their first goal in front of a full King Power Stadium in well over a year, eighteen months or so. But it was also a bit of a a surprise and a shock because the the goal came from nowhere. But as Tony touched on there, Ricardo was on the touchline, two or three defenders around him, no way he was getting out. Suddenly he was. He then puts the ball in and, and the, the shot from Vardy, the touch, it went in like a flash. Yeah, well, you took the words out of my mouth. It happened in a flash, Dan, didn't it? And Ricardo looks somewhere close to back to his best and how we saw him before his, uh, his, his bad injury. But yeah, yeah, great bit of wide play out there and you know, a little shimmy and pops it around the back of his left leg and left the two defenders for dead didn't he and but then he had a presence of mind exactly to put it in the right areas but whilst it was you know brilliant play from Ricardo Tony rightfully is putting a lot of the praise Jamie Vardy's way yeah simple but effective shall we say and it, it, it was scintillating the way it just came out of nowhere wasn't it you know? and just happened in an instant, you know, quality play from both individuals. But Vardy, to be at that angle, I mean, the movement was exceptional. Don't get me wrong, as Tony described, you know, superbly just there. But to get that contact, you know, the outside of your weaker foot of the two, um, it, it was three, four yards past the, the near post. You know, so unselfish. A lot of times that run, is is to create space behind, you know, stretch the defence out. And perhaps a midfield runner from deep is, is the grateful recipient. Um, on the odd occasion, centre forwards reap the rewards, and as did Jamie Vardy on that instant, and he made the most of it, didn't it? Just against the usual word, it just flashed past the keeper sub into the roof of the net. Didn't have time to react, and it was a goal of the highest quality. But you know. And, and somewhat typical of Tony Cotty's um, exploits in the past. I remember that goal against Sunderland exceptionally well, TC. Uh, I have to say, you've done well to read Franks and Claire's cross, though, because Frank yeah. wouldn't have had a clue where he was going to put it. Never it was mind on, you. on the basis he couldn't kick it much further than the near post. Now, <laughs> but you've got to know your players, haven't you? <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. But could have gone anywhere with that banana foot of his. But it was... Uh, but to be fair, you're right, though. You pick up a good point. It used to frustrate me, even at Premier League level, Tony. When players would be... I don't think that was necessarily the case with Ricardo that much. But in a lot of, lot of um, situations, it is. You, you can see that the, the crosser of the ball, wherever they are, you know, is not going to fire one at a far post or hang it up deep, etc. And so... You, you, know, you get that run ahead of the defender. You just use a bit of intuition, and uh, yeah, Jamie certainly did that. And, you know, he's a master at it. And these people who keep saying that he's one-dimensional, you know, there was the evidence to. Uh, on the contrary, wasn't it? Because uh, again, I agree with you. You see, he's, he's developed his, his game, and he has been for a good few seasons now. Not just solely reliant on pace um, and work rate and busying around and the odd flash finish, you know, he's getting more and more cultured and his runs and his product for the team all round is uh, exceptional. The thing is, you get the experience as well, don't Matt, don't you? Because that's what comes, especially when you get into your 30s as a player, you know, you, you have to make tweaks. I mean, you'll remember playing against the great Alan Shearer and, you know, Alan Shearer was a different player in his 30s than he was in the player in his 20s where he was, he was a very, very quick player in his younger days and, of course, he had all those bad knee operations you then have to adjust your game. And I know Jamie's not had all the injuries and everything, but as you get the experience, the experience comes and you, you, learn, you learn your runs and you learn sometimes when to run. You don't have to run every time. You, you can pick and choose your runs. Sometimes you can walk or you can just take a couple of steps backwards, which is what Jamie did for the goal. But as I say, his overall game, you know, 
if, if someone has called Jamie Vardy one-dimensional, that is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yes, of course, he was a little bit quicker seven, eight years ago. We know that. But it wasn't just about his pace. No, because his finishing has always been fantastic. And that movement as well, where he plays on the last man on the shoulder and that. And hopefully with the tweak in the offside rule this year as well, that might well work in Jamie Vardy's favour a little bit as well. Because those close calls where they keep giving the forwards offside, they might be giving them onside now. So that will help him as well. But you learn as you get into your 30s, you, 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 maybe you're just a fraction of how quick you was before, but you make up for it in other areas. And experience is one of them. And, and you know, as I say, I just keep eulogising about Jamie. He's just, just getting better and better. He really is. And, you know, where, where he didn't play the, 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 the huge number of games as a youngster, you know, as a 17, 18, 19-year-old, there's no reason not to expect Jamie Vardy to play for the next two, three, four years for Leicester. However, he feels about it. He might want to retire. Who knows? You don't know. I doubt it because there's no better thrill than scoring a goal, especially a goal like he did on Saturday. Back in front of fans as well, Tony. And we kind of referenced it at the weekend how much Jamie Vardy loves playing in front of his home fans, also the away fans. He ran straight to those away fans. And we've missed that in, in the last couple of seasons. Jamie Vardy uh, rustling the away fans, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, he loves it, doesn't he? And he gets off on it. I think, he, you know, he's... Jamie's a showman. He, he, you know, you've got to have that little bit of a showman inside you. To, you know, to be, um, to be a performer, you know, whether it's a footballer or a pop star or a cricket or rugby, but whatever you want to say, you know, anything that's in the public domain, you've got to be a little bit extrovert, a little bit of a showman, and you've got to enjoy playing in front of crowds because that is the whole experience of playing professional football. And scoring a goal in an empty stadium, it, it doesn't get that. There's no way that's going to give you the same buzz as what he would have got on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he would have missed all the celebrating with the fans. Not, as you say, not just the home fans, but winding up the away fans as well. And the more they give him stick back, the more he'll play better. So, yeah, I mean, Jamie's certainly one that, that would welcome the fans back. But I think we all do, Danny. You know, I think this weekend we've seen some incredible football matches. Um, I think the fans coming back, it, it, it just raises the intensity. You, and also as well, <coughs> excuse me, the, you know, word of praise for the, the referees and the officials because they've obviously been given a new directive. I think it followed on from the Euros where there was a, it seemed to be a lot more, a uh, lot more, little bit more physical, but a lot more leeway given. And, and players, if players fall over, the referees saying get up and get on with it, which is, you know, it's the game that me and Matt grew up playing. And I know it's not as physical as it used to be, but I do think there's a little bit room, more room for it. Just bringing back a little bit more of the physical side, you know, getting it a little bit more competitive. We don't want to see players rolling around. So there's a little tweak with the law with that, which will help things, I think, going forward in the Premier League. But you can't get away from the fact, you know, I, I don't know who said the great quote, football without fans is nothing. It might have been the great Bill Shankly, but, you know, I, I think, I think the fans being back, you know, everyone's missed it. You know, everyone across the board. And we all went through it, the experience, didn't we, boys? They've been in the media and sitting in empty stadiums and thinking, oh, you know, watching unbelievable performances and goals. And there's no one there to witness it. Yeah, of course, they're watching on telly. But we all know going to a game is so much better than watching on telly. Looking at even, well, obviously the Jamie Vardy celebration, but then some of the celebrations and the goals in, in the other games, Matt, across the weekend, as Tony said, that... It, the games seem to be even better for having the fans there, but the celebrations actually from the individual players as well seem to mean a little bit more. They they all seem to run to the crowd each time they celebrated, whereas during the the, the empty stadiums, they kind of were just celebrating with each other almost. Yeah, and at times you weren't even encouraged to do that, were they? <laughs> I think if memory serves me right. Um, talking of memory, I'm going for Matt Busby with that quote. Oh, well done, Matt. Shank Right. Oh, I might be wrong, CC. I, I think it's Bill Shankly. I don't know whether Dan's got the capability of Googling while you're waffling for the next minute or so, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> he can manage that. Whichever way, yeah. Whichever way, a great phrase. But, um, yeah, no, I think it goes without saying, doesn't it? You know, the, the supporters bring so much extra to it. And, yeah, perhaps an extra energy, um, certainly in terms of atmosphere and maybe in the performances themselves, you know. <laughs> Players like to, it, it does mean more, as Tony says there, Jamie Vardy scoring in an empty stadium, whilst it's still a Premier League goal and vitally important for Leicester City's fortunes, um, doing it in front of a packed house just makes it that much more special, doesn't it? Especially if you've got the opportunity to, to go the away fans and uh, 
yeah, <laughs> they never learn, do they? They never learn, and um, particularly from the West Midlands, they like to give them a little bit of stick and uh, normally backfires on them. And I, I thought it was up there in, in his repertoire of celebrations, just behind the uh, Crystal Palace Eagle. The uh, eagle <laughs> performance he put on, which still tickles me to this day. To and he's pretty good at it, isn't he? So don't mess with Jamie Vardy on that front. But yeah, having the um, having the crowd there, it was people just delighted to be there. I mean, the, the first example I saw of it of late was um, initially at the semi-final at Wembley, but obviously an FA Cup final, you know, a wonderful occasion. But people were just so excited to be there at at a game, first and foremost. The fact that it was an FA Cup final made it even better. And there's the celebrations there. I mentioned it at the time. The stadium was only a quarter full, but it almost, I don't know, it was like the personal aspect of it <laughs> back at Wembley, having those supporters all celebrating together. And not just their club's victory, but celebrating being back, able to watch and enjoy um, what they enjoy most, basically. And again, you know, the King Power on Saturday, wonderful atmosphere. The stage was set, and nobody disappointed, did they? And that includes the players. So it was a, you know, a, who's the ideal way to start off the campaign and going forward? Lots to be excited for for Leicester City supporters in general, isn't there? And uh, you know, the advent of development of the ground, uh, the training ground, as we know already, players have come in already. The possibility and prospect of more, um, the anticipation of what Leicester City are capable of delivering. You know, it, it's got all the makings of a wonderful season. So I have had a little Google. You'll, you'll be pleased to hear while you were uh, waffling on, as, as Tony uh, lovingly put it there. Um, so the actual football without fans is nothing, quote, is attributed to Matt Busby. Here we oh, go. Oh, very good, Matt. Very good. <laughs> yeah, well done, Matt. Um, and oh, oh, like that, for a but. Is there not a but there? No, can't, can't half a but. He said that, but it is all attributed from... The original uh, phrase, which was from Jock Steen, um, who said, uh, without fans who pay the turnstile, uh, football is nothing. Sometimes we are inclined to forget that. So oh, he... if, you, if you'd have mentioned turnstiles, I'd have said, I knew that was Jock Steen. <laughs> 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 so, well done, uh, that one. He said that originally, and then Sabat Busby said, <laughs> the football without fans is nothing. So yeah, go on, Matt. You can have Bill the... Shankly would have been football is, is, is more important than yes. something he had another quote, Bill Shane. Anyway, we'll dive I think his was. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, well, it's a matter of life and death. It's more important than that. Yeah. No, no bonus point for that, though, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, no, I'm afraid not. <laughs> so, yeah, we can call it 1 0 to Matt already. Yeah. Um, there's been some other news for, for Leicester City. Obviously, we'll come on to some of the signings in a minute, but uh, there's a public consultation. Uh, Matt open on plans for the, the expansion of King Power Stadium. We touched upon it, didn't we, on, on Saturday before the game. It's, it's fantastic news and, and the plans look unbelievable. Incredible, isn't it? I mean, in truth, the, that area needs some regeneration of some sort or another, whether that be via the football club or, or other avenues. But, um, yeah, the prospective plans that have been put forward... <laughs> Uh, are amazing and but can't be that surprising really with, with, the, with the owners the way they are you know so forward thinking proactive aren't they we've seen that uh, with with the training ground which has been developed to one of the best in the world and yeah I suppose you know the time time is right isn't it it's been um, you know development of the club has been an incredible rate, but also a steady rate as well. You know, it's step by step. They're getting closer and closer to what they want to aim for. And as part of that, you know, they do it with substance, don't they, the owners? It's not just a quick fix. And that's been proven in terms of recruitment over time. Um, and just the whole sort of ethos of the club, really. But yeah, it looks, it looks wonderful, doesn't it? And it almost sort of, space ageist, but we're getting into that futuristic time, aren't we? And yeah, the arena, I mean, that, let's just cry out for somewhere, a proper venue uh, to house concerts and events, etc. Uh, I know there are other options, but not to the degree that 
Leicester City are talking, you know, the hotel and conference area and residential tower, etc. It covers all angles, doesn't it? And there's even a museum that's been proposed where relics like statues of TC might might They're appear. They're going to put me and you in there, Matt, I think. Me, you and Matt Busby will be in there. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, you know, from a supporter's point of view, I think that's probably uh, the most popular choice uh, of building, uh, of construction, I think. You know, certainly sort of supporters that have been around for a few years will enjoy looking back over time. But uh, it, it covers all angles. And, of course, I'm getting the, the main thing, the development of the of the stand as well, you know, to bring it to, was it an extra 8,000 or so? I think Leicester are ready for it, yeah. And um, all looks good, <laughs> you know, all looks good yet again for Leicester City going forward, doesn't it? Yeah, I think as Matt was, was talking about the, the owners and, and what they put into not just Leicester City, but the, the area, Tony, and, and the whole of Leicestershire, is kind of typified a little bit by this. They, they could have only done the, the stadium expansion itself, but they've decided to do all of this other stuff around it as well. Yeah, and I think that's where, I mean, it's just an incredible relationship, isn't there, Dan, between the fans and, and the owners. And, you know, they've been so supportive of everything that Leicester have tried to do. And I, I've just, while Matt was talking, I was just thinking, going, going back, it was probably only about 14, 15 years ago, Leicester were in League One, wasn't they? And, you know, if you'd have said, like, oh, what was going to happen, and, you know, the you know, the trophies and the adulation that was going to club, come the club's way and, and to say that they was going to increase the capacity up to a 40,000-seater stadium. If you'd have sort of said all that when they was in League One, you would have gone, mm, no, I'm not sure a 40,000-seater stadium would be the best thing for Leicester. But the way things are at the moment, you know, the, the, the club and the team, the city and everything is developing. They're getting better and better and better. And it could well be an argument, but at least I don't know how long it would take, but it's normally always at least two, three years before it's actually built and in operation. And by the time you've done that, so let's say it's maybe 2025, there'd probably be an argument to say, well, you know, hopefully Leicester, you know, 40,000, that, that might not be enough either. So they might have to look at developing another stand or another part of the ground as well, just to, to, to bring it all in line, you know, because, you know, that's what the club wants to do. This is not uh, an investment by the owners where, you, you chuck a few quid in and then you sort of bail out and there's an exit strategy and, you know, we're, we can't get out of here quick enough. It, that's never been the case. They they feel such a part of the community that, as I say, the fans love them. And they're trying to, you know, they, they, they're trying to leave a legacy, aren't they? They've already done it with the training ground. And if they build this new stand, that's going to make it 40,000 for Leicester fans, more Leicester fans to go and watch and enjoy the football. And plus all the infrastructure that Matt spoke about, you know, there's so much room, isn't there? I'm, I'm guessing it's probably the, the shingle car park that I normally get to car, park my car in when I go <laughs> up to Leicester. I'm guessing it's out the back there where they're going to do the development. But, you know, it, it, you know so often you, you see a stand gets built and, yeah, of course the fans benefit. But you very rarely see a development where it benefits the whole community and the whole city. And that's what we're talking about. So I think, you know, the owners and... Leicester City Football Club and the fans as well. Everyone should be very proud of what's been announced. Let's hope it gets passed. I can't see any reason or anyone objecting to anything. There might be a couple of little tweaks along the way. There normally is someone who will have a little bit of a moan up, but I don't think that will stop things. And hopefully they can get on with the project and get you know get a lot more fans into the ground and get more people into the area and improve the area and give people you know more options. You know, like if you have got a concert venue you know you're going to get stuck getting big bands coming now there's a lot of great Leicester bands as we know anyway but you're going to get bands coming and playing and you know it, it gives the city a real boost and you know after what we've all been through the last 18 months two years I think that's a, a huge boost for everyone in the city yeah for more information on that all you need to do of course is head to lcfc.com uh, another quick word I can't can't be talking about the owners Matt without mentioning this I don't know if you saw the the photo at the weekend Leicester put it on their, uh, their Twitter account it's a picture of Kuntok uh, in, in front of a mantelpiece. It's got all the trophies that have been won during his time with the club. And then behind him is is a framed picture of Kunvishai as well. And and it's just a, a fantastic photo. It's got a lot of love on social media from the Leicester fans because it is, I saw someone write, it's, it's, it's past, present and, and future at, at this football club in one photo. Yeah, I did see the photo. Um, one of quite a, quite a number of poignant photos that, Feature Kuntop um, and his father, Kunvisai. Everyone knows the story, don't they? And everyone knows the, 
you know, the tragic circumstances uh, around it. But, you know, out of the dark comes some light to a degree and can stop from via Leicester City, you know, carrying on the legacy that his father initiated is is a hell of a story, isn't it? And one that gets picked up on a number of times by the national press, rightly so. But, you know, even aside from, from the press aspects of it, you know, I think there's a genuine respect from people, uh, supporters primarily, but people from outer circles, really, you know, away from Leicester City Football Club, of how Kunsop has managed to carry himself, really, uh, in his father's footsteps and in his memory as such. And it, it's, uh, it's an ongoing, ongoing story, isn't it, really? And I, I think there are quite a few more chapters left in it. <laughs> And hopefully that's the case, at least. And, uh, yeah, you, you see the bond, Tony talks about it, you know, between the supporters and the owners, which is unusual, but also the players and the owners. That's quite exceptional as well. Um, you, you see a close relationship, you know, with players and managers sometimes, um, or quite regularly, but very rarely between the owners and you know, there are many reasons why that is, but it's, you know, the feel within the club, you know, you, you'll have experienced it, Dan, in your time coming to Leicester City. Um, you know, in relative terms, uh, it's a short period of time, but already, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure you've developed a, you know, a deep affiliation with the club and the people around it. You do. It is one of those, one of those places. I did all those years back <laughs> when I first joined at Leicester City. It had had that without being cheated, that family feel, it did. Um, and you listen to people talk now, Vestergaard already. And he doesn't strike me as someone who just pays lip service and says things for the sake of it. He said about that, that family togetherness and the spirit within the club. And that all stems down from the owners, from the owners and filters right the way through the club via the supporters who have been there, you know, over the years. And, and they generate that atmosphere. But, yeah, it's a it's a genuine thing at Leicester City Football Club, and it it helps, you know, it, it helps results on the pitch ultimately, doesn't it? You know, it gives you that extra drive, purpose, togetherness, and uh, yeah, collectively, there's there's a lot of positives at Leicester City. Yeah, it's a nice little segue actually into what we're going to talk about next, which is the new signings. You mentioned Yannick Vestergaard there, the interview he gave with LCFC TV. He mentioned that family feel already. We asked him about the, the, the training ground and, and how amazing that is, the facilities. And, and, and obviously he said that they were unbelievable, but it was, it was the people inside it as well, Tony, that he, he talked about. He said that they clearly care about Leicester City and he, he talked about the team around the team as well. And and that, that was nice to hear from someone that had, had been at Leicester, what, one day, yes, he's played against them in the Premier League for the past couple of seasons, but he's seen that already and it's, it's clearly a, a project and a journey he wants to be a part of. Yeah, and I, I, I think you would find that very quickly on arrival at the club, Dan. Um, but what I would say nowadays with footballers, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing there's obviously a lot of communication by, you know, WhatsApp groups and, and phones and it's so much easier really probably to talk to players from other clubs now than what it would have been in our day, really, where, you know, we didn't even have mobiles when we first started playing. So <laughs> things have Good changed. Job. Yeah, exactly, that. yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, the point I'm making is um, I think that there would be good vibes about Leicester. If, if anyone was talking, you're talking to, a, um, you know, someone, if you're at Southampton, what I'm trying to say, if you're at Southampton, you would get feedback from Leicester City Football Club of how good it is, what a great place, the, the, the relation, all the things Matt's just spoke about, the relationship, the owners, the fans, etc. So Vestergaard, I'm, I'm pretty certain he would have known what a good place he was going to before he even went anywhere near the football club. You then straight away, you're then meeting Brendan Rodgers, who's such a nice guy and a fantastic manager. So you've got that and then you bring the player into the club. And I, I've got to say, I think Leicester have done good business. I think, was he 15 million? I think he was, wasn't he, Vestergaard? And he's, he's a good, solid centre-half, you know, the type of player that you need in, um, amongst your ranks. Leicester have got another season of um, European football coming up. You need the numbers. He's going to get games. I, I really, 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 really think he's a positive signing. But, you know, he would, he would spread the word and others would have spread the word beforehand. So when you arrive at the club and they all would know about the training ground because I'm guessing that, you know, in the past, everyone spoke about Chelsea's training ground, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester City, etc., Manchester United. 
But I think Leicester is probably the number one training ground and that would have been passed on to the likes of Vestergaard and Ryan Bertrand and the other players that have arrived at the ground. Yeah, and a couple of names, obviously, that Tony's mentioned there, Matt. What have you made of, of Leicester's summer transfer business? We can say so far, there's still a few weeks left, isn't there, of course, of, of the, the transfer window, but the four players, Pat Sandaka, Buba Samare, Ryan Bertrand and, and Yannick Vestergaard. Yeah, well, on the face of it, um, looks very good business, doesn't it? Uh, as is usually the case uh, with Leicester City in, in the recruitment department. A little bit early to, to give any definitive judgment, but um, Ryan Bertrand, listen, his season campaign, isn't he? And whilst it's not a no-brainer in terms of him coming to the club, but there's no doubts about his capabilities. We saw what he could do uh, against Villarreal. Okay, the Spanish were off it a little bit in the early stages of the game, but flying forward, he'll cause problems down that, that left, left-hand left side, um, as well as having the experience defensively. And, you know, he's a super addition. His ex-teammate, Vestergaard, I, I think, <laughs> by, by default almost, I know Leicester have been looking at him, in inverted commas, uh, for for a little while now, um, as a possible option, but the situation was enforced on him with Fafana's injury. But uh, what a great option he was, I think, at, at the price that Tony mentioned there, about £15 million. Pounds. OK, I understand contractual reasons for that. But, it, yeah, listen, it, it, he's, again, an established, not just Premier League, but international centre-half. Uh, we'll give a little bit of a different option, um, extra physical presence. And I think you saw in the short time he played at the weekend can pick a pass from, from defensive areas and uh, not afraid to play that through ball but one that's effective on the game you know he fired a couple of balls into Tielemans I think it was and a couple of other players uh, so yeah he has he has good pedigree put it that way um, a little bit untried with the other two boys Pats and Daka is it a gamble no, not really I don't think but I think we've seen his potential already and we, uh, he's going to cause problems for opposition defenders. And it's only going to get better and better as he learns his role within the club. And uh, Samara as well, again, you know, he, he, he's already had a little bit of an influence there. He's tried and trusted by the manager you know, in terms of bringing him on at vital times in the game, the Community Shield on Saturday um, against Wolverhampton, you know, to, to just assure things up, steady things up. And straight away, he's confident. Plenty of touches on the ball, receives the ball in tight areas. Just needs to be a little bit careful once or twice to let the ball nicked off him. But he's, he's learning how to adapt to the English game, maybe, to a touch. But, uh, yeah, again, all four of them on the face of it uh, have been well accepted by Leicester City supporters, put it that way. I think, uh, yeah, they can see a positive future. You could kind of as well argue a little bit that it's almost like five arrivals as well. You look at Keane and Drewsbury Hall as well. Yes, I know he was yeah. left played, been on loan, but he's, he's come back in now. That that almost feels like a new signing as well. Yeah, um, it, it, it seems that Brendan Rodgers fancies him, doesn't it? You know, likes him. He's made him part of the squad um, in quite a stated manner, really. He's mentioned him many occasions pre-season, rightly so, because he's performed well. But, uh, yeah, he, he looks like a player who Brendan Rodgers has uh, wanted to bring into the fold, shall we say. And I'm sure with a fixture list, as it's going to be, Europa League, etc., Keenan will, uh, will feature, uh, I would think. And how regularly? We're yet to find out. But to put it this way, I, I, I get a feeling that there's no, there's no doubts about putting him on the field of play. It's not that, oh, hopefully he'll do okay. The trust is there, just a matter of, where and when. And he's developed himself physically, uh, gone away to Luton, player of the season, I believe, wasn't he? There, you know, He was warmly received there at Luton Town, um, come back to Leicester, and he'll test himself out at an even higher level and the one that he's capable of. Certainly from a personal point of view, I, I know Keenan to, to a degree, was involved with him at the academy in my time when I was part-time coaching, and um, lovely lad, technically gifted, let's say, Quite diminutive in his his, his stature, but he's nothing wrong with that, man. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly mate. But he's uh, he's developed himself. He's a good athlete. He's a good technician. Yeah, there's lots lots in his favour. Put it that way. 
Yeah, lots to be uh, excited about, certainly for Leicester City this season. Um, before we do the, the first football, Jenga, um, other results at the weekend that, that caught your eye, Tony? Um, oh, well, here, here we go. No, no uh, I'll <laughs> Manchester United beating Leeds. I thought that was a good performance by Manchester United, you know, in terms of Pogba, etc. Um, yeah, of course, I was pleased with the Hammers. Um, they, they won 4-2 at Newcastle yesterday, played really well. And West Ham, Leicester next game, as we know, Dan. So it's uh, it's going to be a tough game for both clubs, I think. You know, but they were, yeah. I mean, Chelsea winning. Um, you know, there were some some really good performances. And as I said, I sort of I enjoyed watching the football. Really enjoyed it with the fans and the atmosphere. And just it felt like football was back for us. And that was that was great. I love love watching the games at the weekend. It, it does make a difference, doesn't it? Even watching it on TV when the fans are back. Yeah, of course it does. It makes a massive difference. You know, they, you know we had the old clap on it at dinner, the old crowd effects and whatever. But, you know, I, I felt sorry for the guys doing that because sometimes the ball sort of ended up behind the goal and they were sort of putting the cheers in, you know, as if a goal was scored and it hadn't been scored. But, you know, they, you know we've already spoke about it. The fans make a massive difference. The, the tempo of the games, um, you know, I watched bits and pieces of the, the Tottenham Man City game yesterday and there were some proper tackles flying in and, I think that's it's more than welcome. It's it's long overdue back into football, you know. I'm not advocating going back to the good old days where you, you kick lumps out of each other, but you know, you need to have the physical side of the game. I think the fans were getting a little bit fed up with a lot of the play acting and free kicks being given for someone sort of putting a finger on someone's shirt and things like that, you know. We need to get that out of the game. We need to bring that physicality back. And if you do that, you, some, you know, listen, we all love goals and that, but you know, Matt will tell you, sometimes you, you, know, you put in a crunching tackle on someone, you almost get a bigger cheer sometimes for a crunching tackle than what you do a goal sometimes. So you know, I want to see that part of the game. And, but having the fans back, absolutely fantastic. And uh, I loved every minute of the Premier League opening weekend. Yeah, I remember Johnny Evans' tackle on Harry Kane a couple of seasons ago. Um, got one of the loudest cheers I've heard at King Power Stadium as well. So, yeah, you're totally right. Um, right. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Johnny Evans against West Brom, Batesy, on that one. Oh, was it Palace or was it West Brom? Palace, Palace. sorry, not West Brom. Yeah, I've got to get something wrong, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You're on form today. So, go on, let's see if it uh, continues oh. then into the, uh, the first yeah. football Jengas. Uh, on, uh, that could come back to bite me, yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Virtual extra time. So basically, what we'll do is I've got a fixture here um, that these two are both involved in, and I'll remember it very well. And they've each got to take it in turns to name a player that was in either of the two playing squads. So they don't have to have come off the bench. They could have just been on the bench as well. But, but um, oh. And then as soon as one of you gets one wrong, then that's it. You lose. So it's effectively sudden death straight away. Um, oh, I've got a feeling this isn't going to last too long, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's why we've not left too much time at the end for it. Um, you both understand? You, you get the game, yep. you get the premise? Yeah, okay, yep. great. Either team, yeah? Either team. Pardon? Either team. Or, and subs bench as well, that's what you're saying, then. Yeah, either and team and, and subs bench as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so the fixture is, unsurprisingly... Very boringly, uh, the 2000 League Cup final. So, obviously, you're both involved in it. A big day for Matt. Matt, you, you surely should be winning from here. I mean, it was a big day for both of you, but, but for Matt especially. So, uh, right, let's, let's go with... What, the amount of times I've watched the, the reruns of Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the amount of times you've had to talk about it as well. So, uh, we'll, start with, uh, we'll start with Tony. So, Tony, you can, uh, you can have the first answer for us, please. I will go for myself. <laughs> are we like that are we yeah go on Matt yeah, me and you should be discounted from it really because uh, yeah. okay me right okay <laughs> I'll go I'll go tags in Tim Flowers Kathmandu Emil Heskey oh you're working from front to back now aren't you no I'm not I'm just trying <laughs> oh no you had tags you had tags to be fair uh, the provider of your wonder goal against Sunderland, Frank Sinclair. Uh, did he play, Frank? Oh, he did. Yeah, he was a one. That was a year before. Yeah, the year before he missed it. I just, I thought I had an easy victory. Um, Muzzy, <laughs> a guy from Muzzy. Neil Lennon. Uh, Sav. Guppy. <laughs> 
I can't believe we didn't mention Gups already. Yeah. Um, Andy Impey. Yeah, came off the bench, mm. yeah. Oh, here's one. Well, maybe not that much of a surprise, but he didn't get long. Ian Marshall. Oh, I was just going to say that one. Um, David Kelly. I've got one up the sleeve, by the way. Okay. <laughs> he might have to produce it in a minute. I know, very soon. Dave Chaloner. Oh, the long throw boy, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, must be someone... Um, I'll be honest, I can't remember as many Tramia players as I should. No, me neither. I'm struggling now, I think. Um, must be someone else who played. Uh, so we said all the centre I said that we've done our team, haven't we? I think our team's done. So you've got Marshy came on as a sub. There is one less to start. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Is there? <laughs> one less to start. You can't sell him that, basically. That's, that's my one up the sleeve. Just pulling it out. I'm going to struggle now. I'm tempted to say Walshy, but I don't know whether Walshy was involved. Walshy. No, Walshy no. was not involved. Uh, Walshy was up in the stands with Stan Collymore. Was he? Yeah, Walshy wasn't involved. Go on, Mike. Who was the uh, the missing on, one? Who's up your sleeve? Stefan Oakes. Oh, Stefan Oakes. So that, oh, that I, wouldn't got, the... I wouldn't have got Steph. Yeah, you, got, forget, you forget them. The Leicester 11, uh, and then on the bench for Leicester was Peggy Afexad, Phil Gilchrist, and Theo Zagarakis for three. I was going to say Theo. I should have said Theo. Yeah. Um, but those three didn't get on, not then, did they? No, no, no. But we said we'd, we'd have allowed that. Was Liam O'Brien one for Tramley? No. <laughs> Colin Hill uh, was it um, Hill Clint Hill was it Clint Hill? Hill? oh yeah 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 he, played, he got sent off didn't he well I'll run through the, the tram meeting Joe Murphy Reuben Hazel Dave Chaloner Clint Hill Gareth Roberts Andy Parkinson Gary Jones Nick Henry Alan Mann David Kelly Scott Taylor and then on the bench John Atcherberg Steve Yates Andy Thompson Alan Morgan Michael Black so then, to be fair, that was a bit unfair on me because Matt watches that game every single day. Then he watches his two goals going, so he knows everything about the game. So I thought that was really unfair to. Yeah, he's got, he's got the, the team sheet framed in a couple of different <laughs> rooms and everything like that. <laughs> Every day and twice on Sundays. <laughs> well, well done, Matt. With, with, well your, done, uh, yeah, with the Matt Busby quote thrown in there, yeah. you, you uh, it was good that today. Sporting genius. Sporting genius. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, that, that, that we're coming to the end now of the first uh, virtual extra time of, of this new season. I hope you two have uh, enjoyed it and, um, yeah, you can enjoy the rest of your day now. So thank you very much for coming on. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, Matt. Speak to you soon. Pleasure, Take care, TC. See you soon, mate.